Thank you, guys. Hey, it is good to be with you guys this morning. It feels like a long time, right? It has been... It's been a really mild winter until like the last couple of weeks, and then I think, I think God was like, they need all of winter in, in two weeks. But hey, so over the past couple of weeks, we've had some interesting things happen in our family, nothing, nothing major, but we had our first conversation with one of Olive, my five-year-old daughter, with her teacher, where she said, hey, I need to talk to you guys about a behavioral issue. And we said, with our sweet angel, that's impossible. Um, no, we didn't say that. We weren't surprised. Uh, and so we came in, and we were thinking, like, oh, no, what is it? Was it, you know, money laundering or espionage or something? But it, it turns out Olive was having some issues with another little girl in her class, and they were having... They're having trouble getting along with one another, and both of them were, were kind of not being kind to each other. And, and so l- later on, we were, I was driving Olive. We were actually on our way to the library, and we were just talking about this situation. And, and I was just telling her, you know, Olive, it is, it is our job. God wants us to be kind to everybody, and God wants us to to show love to everybody, no matter if we get along with them or not. Or does, and she's like, well, what if they're not mean? Or what if they're mean to us? And we said, well, we still, we still need to be kind and, and love people. And I said, and you know what else? Is God also, he doesn't want us to just love them, but he wants us to tell people about how much he loves them. I was like, Olive, do you know that some people don't know God? And she was, <gasps> Like some people don't know God? Like she was shocked. And it really upset her. And she was like, well, we gotta, we gotta do something about that. I was like, yeah, we do. That's our job. That's what God wants us to do. So we get to the library, and immediately she runs up to the librarian, wraps her arms around her, hugs her, and says, do you know God? And the librarian, you know, like, yeah, I do know God. And she's like, great, runs to the next person, <laughs> hugs her, like, do you know God? And, and, and she's like, I'm not sure what you mean. And, and she just is going to every single person in the library, you know, asking them if they know God. And as a father, I'm just like being, I'm like so proud of my little girl. And then she goes to this little girl and asks her if she's ever heard of the devil. And I'm like, well, let's, let's wait on that one. Maybe that's another conversation to have. But I was so proud because I just, I mean, Olive was really getting the call of the Christian. This is the call that Jesus has on his church, on his people, to go and love the community and tell them about how God loves them. And we've been in this series uh, called Connect Four, where we've been looking at these four connects. And what the four connects are is they are the vision and foundation of our church. If someone asks, what is the, the Vineyard Church Delaware County all about? We would say they're about these four connects. And we talked about this connection to God, that it's the primary connect that we connect to God, that we, we can have relationship with him. And we talked about 
connecting to our purpose, that we believe that every human being has a purpose, that God created you on purpose for a purpose. And as a church, we want to help you connect to that purpose. We talked uh, last week about how we are, we are called to church, to connect to the church, that we're not called to walk through life on our own and to figure out all of this difficulty just, just by ourselves, that we're called to this community of church. And by the way, if you have missed any of those messages, which I'm assuming we have because of the snowstorms, you can check out any of these sermons, and I really encourage you to do, because this, these are foundational to who we are as a church. You can check them out at vcdc.org. You can go onto iTunes and search Vineyard Church Delaware County, or we have physical CDs on the info counter. But this week, we are going to be talking about connecting with our community. Connecting with the community around us. And if I, you know, if I was being honest, I would say I think this connection, this, this one of the four connects, is the one that we have the biggest need to grow in. That this is an area where I, I feel like God is challenging us and challenging me that, hey, we, we can grow. There's some growth areas. And i got to be honest with you, my life is so uh, just immersed in church where, you know, it's my job, I'm at the church all the time, I go home, I put my garage door down, and I'm with my family, um, and I don't have a lot of time where I'm actually connecting with my community, and I feel like God has been really challenging me, saying that this is an area I want you to grow in, and this is an area I want my church to grow in. And when I say that, I want you to hear, like, our church is heavily invested in, 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 in loving our community. If, you, if, if you've been at this church for any period of time, you've seen our food pantry, medical clinic, you've heard us talk about it, you've, you've probably heard us talk about sending missionaries to, to, to Brazil and all kinds of things where we're, we're doing things where we're, we're giving away money, giving away resources to the community. So I think we do a lot of good stuff, but I feel like God is saying this is an area for us to grow in. This is an area that we can, we can um, uh, advance and, and, and invest in. Because the truth is, is this is the call of the believer. Just like, just like I was saying about Olive, this is the call for each and every one of us. When, when these religious leaders came to Jesus, you can read about it in the book of John, when they came to Jesus and said, you know, what would you say is the most important commandment? I'm paraphrasing. They said, what is the most important commandment in all of the Bible? Like out of all of the, the laws and commands and rules that we read about, which one is the most important? And Jesus basically says, he says, listen, it's loving God and loving your neighbor. Since so the most important thing, to love God and love your neighbor. And they kind of push back a little bit. They kind of maybe challenge him and say, well, you know, Jesus, who really is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to tell this kind of famous story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And there's a lot of things that we can learn through reading the story. But one of the things I want to highlight 
Basically, in the story of this, this man, this Jewish man who's robbed and beaten and thrown on the side of the road, and all of these people are passing him, and then a Samaritan man stops to help him. And the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews was a fractured relationship. It was a bad relationship where they did not get along. And I think Jesus intentionally used that relationship to say, this is who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is the person that you might not get along with. Your neighbor is maybe that person that there's, there's uh, you know, theological differences with or cultural differences. I think Jesus is saying that any person that you come in contact with, that is your neighbor. No matter their race, no matter their political viewpoint, their, their financial status, their country of origin, their, you know, fill in the blank, their sexuality, their, their morality, no matter what, whoever you come in contact with, that is your neighbor, and we are called to love those people. That's the call of the church. We're not called to hunker down, put up these walls to keep the bad people out of the church. We're not called to just merely tolerate people. Like, I feel like those are the two extremes. It's like, tolerate everything, like everything is okay, or, or no, we don't want anyone. And I don't think either of those is what God is calling us to do. I think God is calling us to love and engage with our community. Tolerance is just like a cheap form of love. But God is saying, I want you to love, invest, be with your, inviting, loving your community. So today I want to talk about how we do that in this culture. Because you may have noticed it's becoming progressively more and more difficult, um, at least in my opinion, to actually love and engage with your neighbor in this culture for a variety of reasons. One of them is because our culture is very divided right now. Our culture is on edge. Our culture is split over pretty much every issue that there is. Political issues, racial issues, economic issues, issues of morality, issues of gender, issues of, uh, you know, just, I mean, fill in the blank. We are, we are divided and we are unwilling to listen to one another. And I feel like it is, it, is, it is pushing people apart from each other. And there's growing animosity between people groups. And as Christians, we need to understand that the perception that our culture has on us is not a good perception. They, they don't look at the church um, very favorably. And, and just, I mean, let me just say for, for some of that, I think that's unfair. Like, I think if you look at, uh, I mean, I know you guys. You guys are all pretty kind people. I like you. And, I, and, I, and you know, like, I see, like, pretty much every, you know, thirst release, relief organization, every, like, humanitarian effort, food pantry, homeless shelter, most of the time they're run by Christian organizations. And I think the church sometimes does catch a bad rap. But let's be honest. Sometimes the church doesn't help itself, does it? 
I remember reading a study a number of years ago about some of the some of the words that are most associated with Christianity. And they pulled all these people, like, what comes to your mind when you, when you think of Christians? And the top two words, I don't remember all of them, but I remember the top two were judgmental and, and hypocrite. And it broke my heart. It really broke my heart because I, I love the church. I love the church. I know you love the church. I mean, I've, I've, I've dedicated my life in helping build the church. I love it. And I hate that the perception that the world has on who we are is judgmental hypocrites. But the truth is, is some of the loudest voices in the church are very judgmental, right? Some of the loudest voices in the church can be very hypocritical. Like we say, we don't like this particular sin set, but this one we're okay with. Or we we will judge you for doing this thing, but behind the scenes, this is what's happening. Or we cover this thing up. And and to me, it just breaks my heart. And it's not not the, the, the heart of God. So then how then do we begin to love a community that doesn't really like us? Or maybe that's too far. How do, we, how do we love a community that has preconceived notions of, of who we are and what we believe and what we're all about? And they have already made up their mind and, and, and have these judgments of this is what the church is. Well, that's a very good question, and I don't know the answer, so see you guys later. This, this service will end. No. Um, but we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, I, I, the truth is I don't know. But I, I feel like God has put on my heart a few things these four principles that I just feel like will really help us navigate this. And, and they're not the four principles. They're not exhaustive. They're just kind of four things that I felt like the Lord said, would you share these things with my church? And so let's just pray and then we'll jump in. Jesus, we thank you that you love the world. Lord, we thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that you give us your heart for the world. You give us your eyes. We pray that you speak to us this morning. Amen. All right. All right, so just these four principles, and they're in no particular order. Um, But the first one I want to talk about is this idea of building bridges and not barriers. We're called to build bridges and not barriers. We're not called to hunker down and wait for Jesus to come back. We're not called to, to like I said, just build these barriers so, so the, the bad folks can't come into the church. We're not called to separate ourselves from the world. We're supposed to be in the world, not of it. We're called to be in the world, connecting with people. Keeping the bad people out, separating the bad people is not the heart of Jesus. I love Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is all about breaking dividing walls. He's about tearing down barriers that keep people apart. 
keeping, that keep people from, from, from connecting to one another, from connecting to them. He's all about saying, I am not about barriers, I'm about bridges. We just celebrated the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and he is one of my heroes. I'm sure he's many of your heroes. But this is, this, is, this is at the center of Dr. King's ministry. He would talk about he wasn't just interested in the rights of his black uh, brothers and sisters. He wasn't just fighting so that there would be equal rights. That was part of what he was doing, but he was actually fighting on behalf of his white brothers and sisters too. He would say that, that his goal was not just for the rights to be the same. His goal was that they would be united. And he had dreams of the, his children being able to play with little white children and that they would be together. And he, Dr. King understood that that racism and, and segregation and discrimination doesn't just affect, doesn't just affect the one who is doing, who's being oppressed, but it also affects the one who is doing the oppressing. That these dividing walls don't, don't help anybody. These barriers are bad for both, and he was all about unity, bringing people together. And I believe the dream that, that Martin Luther King had, it was a divine one. It was from the very heart of God. And he fought his whole life until, until his death for it. And, and guys, I, I, think, I think we have a long way to go. And yeah, I'm, talk, I'm talking about racism and, and racial issues, but I'm not just talking about racial issues. I'm talking about anything, whether it's you know, an economic divide, a, a cultural divide that keeps people separated from one another. I think as the church, we have a long way of go of, of helping God and his mission to break down the dividing walls of hostility. So how do we do that practically? What does that look like at a very practical level in our lives? Here's, here's a simple one. Take 10 seconds to think about what you post on Facebook. I'm serious, man. Like, I, sometimes I will have like this whole like response, this reply to something typed out on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, this is a good one. And I stop, and I think, I'm going to delete this. Think about... Think about it. What are, you, what are you sharing on Facebook? What are you, what are you putting up as your, your status? What are you commenting on another status? Think, just ask this question. Is this thing I'm posting, is it, is it going to divide? Or is it going to unify? Is it going to separate people, push people away? Or is it going to call people together? And not just, I mean, not just on social media, although I do think social media gives us this kind of courage to say things that maybe we wouldn't say in real life to one another. But just think about it. Is what I'm saying, is it, is it calling people together or is it pushing people away? And, and, and think about your, even just in your everyday life, the way you speak about the president, the way you speak about the former president, 
the way you speak about immigrants, the way you speak about Muslims, the way you speak about people of different colors or people who are in charge or people who are, you know, liberal or people who are or Republicans, how you speak, is it calling people together or is it pushing people further apart? We're called to build bridges to one another and not barriers. And here's the thing that God has really been challenging me on over the past couple of years. But, but really, and, and a lot of times it's, it's over Facebook, but he said, I'm trying to think, he said, what's more important to you? Being right or being together? And he's asking me, he's asked me to lay down my right, that right that I feel to be correct, to be right in a matter. And, and let me say, this is an idol. This is an idol that I believe that we have in this country of what is true and what is right, and we elevate that over, over loving one another. And are we, as followers of Jesus, willing to lay down our right to be right in order to build a bridge to another person? Paul did it all the time. Paul laid down his right to be right and saying, hey, Anything that's getting in the way of me sharing the gospel with someone, doesn't matter. I'm not saying that we never stand up for things that are true. I'm, never, I'm not saying that we never you know, take a stand on something that might anger someone. I'm not saying that, but let's run it through the filter of am I building bridges to people or am I pushing people away? Because in, in our culture, I don't ever see anyone being guilted into the kingdom or shamed into the kingdom or judged into the kingdom. Shame never comes from, from, from Jesus. Shame is, is, a, is a tool from the enemy. We never want to guilt or shame or judge someone into relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't work. But you know what I have seen is I've seen people loved into the kingdom a lot, cared for over and over again. So fundamentally, we are called to be bridge builders and not barrier builders. All right, next one. The next one is preach the gospel and show the gospel. Preach the gospel and show the gospel. See, when I'm talking about loving our community, I, I am not talking about this just evangelizing our community. That's part of it. But I'm talking about just purely for the sake that people have value because they are made in the image of God and God loves them, we are kind and loving to our community and we engage, we dignify them. And we love our community and stop just for the sake of loving them we don't necessarily pull a bait and switch and think hey I'm going to be nice to you so that I can tell you this thing about Jesus or that I'm going to do this service thing so that I can hand you a track I, I don't think that's necessarily the heart of God I think we can love the community just for the sake of loving the community but I also think the greatest way to love our community is to introduce them to Jesus I think, I think, listen, 
if we believe that the, the, the message of the gospel is going to save people, it's going to rescue people, then the most loving thing we can do is tell people about the gospel. Not judge them, not, not you know, look down, but to tell people. And when I say gospel, I want you to hear, the gospel simply means the good news. The gospel means the good news. And what is the good news? Well, I think even just in those two words, we can, we can learn a lot about what the gospel is. One, it is good. It's good. So if the message you're, you're sharing with people is not good, then it's not the gospel. If your message, and I don't think that's the message of anyone in here, but if your message is God hates fill in the blank, that's not good. That's not the gospel. And it also has to be news. And news implies that we're just reporting on something that happened. It's not the good advice. We're not saying, hey, you need to get your act together. You need to stop doing this and start doing this. You need to get in church. You need to get out of that relationship. You need to cut that behavior out. I'm not saying that they don't need to do those things, but I'm, not, I'm saying that that's not the gospel. The gospel is simply the good news that God is restoring this world, that God is making all things new, and he's inviting humanity back into relationship with himself. And that the thing that separated us from God, the rebellion where we, where we chose something other than God and we sinned and we said, God, we want to go our own way. He sent his son to die for that so that we could be restored in relationship with him. And that he's calling us back to the very purpose in which we are created to be in union with the creator God. And that is the good news. That's the good news. That is the gem that we treasure as a church, that we treasure as the people of God, that we get to share with the world. And we need to tell people about that. We need to. We, we have to, because if we believe that there is a poison that is killing this world, which we do, Jesus is the antidote. And all you have to do, all you have to do to be a part of that relationship is accept the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's good news. But I love what St. Francis of Assisi says. And actually, we don't know if he said this, but it's often attributed to him. He says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. What does he mean by that? See, not only do we tell people about the good news, but we show people the good news. The good news that God loves you and values you. For showing someone might be like, hey, God loves you, and he doesn't want you to be hungry, so here's a warm meal. That's good news, that you get food because God loves you. Or, or hey, you know, God cares about you and values you as a human being, and as, you, know, you have a story, so I want to listen to your story. And I'm going to dignify you by listening to your... That's good news, that there's an ear, a shoulder to cry on. 
Maybe it's, hey, God loves you, and I want to shovel your driveway because I know you threw your back out a couple weeks ago. Or, or God loves you, and, and you know, no one's sitting, no one sits next to this kid at school, but I'm going to. It's demons, and on and on. There's so many ways where we can demonstrate the good news because it is important what we say, but I believe it's just as, if not more so, important what we do. What we say matters, but, but what we do matters maybe even more. Because how we love and how we connect to our community directly affects if they'll even listen to what we have to say. And this was really the Jesus model. This is not my good idea or, or something that I read. In a, in a, this was Jesus' model. Everywhere that Jesus went, he would go and demonstrate the gospel and declare the gospel. He would go and heal someone and say, this is why I healed you, because the kingdom of God is near. Or he'd feed people and say, this is why I'm feeding you guys. Or he would cast out a demon and say, listen, the kingdom of God is breaking through. God is calling people back to himself. So the declaration and the demonstration of the gospel always went hand in hand with Jesus. I remember I, I worked at Starbucks for a number of years and, and this uh, young woman started working at the Starbucks with me and she was a born-again Christian and she was also uh, always late. She was also just expect people to kind of cover up her, you know, cover for her when she would go and do something. And she was like, just not very thoughtful. But she would always tell people about Jesus. And I would almost cringe because I knew what people thought about her. And I'm not, I, listen, she's, she's a, she was young. She's probably grown a lot since then. But like, I would cringe. And I remember this coworker that I had said something to me that just like always stuck with me is he said, she hasn't earned the right to speak into my life. <laughs> Guys, have we earned the right to speak into our community's lives? Because if not, maybe, maybe we should keep our mouths shut. Rick Warren has this famous quote where he said, we are the body of Christ, but it seems like everybody wants to be the mouth. And not listen, again, I'm not saying we don't say things. What we say matters. But I think we need to earn the right to speak to people, especially in our culture today. People need to know that you love them, that you care for them before they, they want to hear what you have to say. I've had some really, really actually very difficult conversations with people who knew that I loved them and they received what I had to say. But I had to earn that right with them. I had to build that equity up with them. I didn't just lead at the library with, do you know about the devil? <laughs> All right, next one. Don't lead with, do you know the devil? No, the next one is God spaces. And here's what I mean by God spaces. Um, see, I believe that and with every human being that you ever come in contact with, 
God is actively pursuing that person. And God deeply loves that person. And God is already working in their life. And it's our job as the, as the, the people of God to come and partner with God in that reconcil- reconciliation work that he's already begun. And so using the term God spaces, I mean creating space for this person to see the love of God. Creating a space for maybe them to experience the, the holiness of God or the power of God. Creating a space for them to hear the voice of God or, or, or whatever it is, but it's creating these God spaces. See, I, I believe that the best way for people to come into a relationship with Jesus, especially in our culture, is not through an argument. It's through being introduced to Jesus. It's through meeting Jesus, having an encounter with them. And do we really believe this? Do we really believe that Jesus loves the world? Do we really believe that God is calling humanity to him and God loves people so much and he wants us to participate? Because if we do believe that, then we need to create space for it. We need, to, we need to partner with Jesus in this, in, this, in this awesome mission of, of seeking humanity out. So how do we practically do that? What would we do? Well, I remember Michael one time said the thing that he feels like will change our community is the phrase, can I pray for you? And man, that, like, that just like I wrote that down. Can I pray for you will change our community. And what I mean is is you're working with someone and they're like, man, my back is killing me. Well, hey, I I believe that God can heal you and I I think God really loves you. Can I pray for your back? I think he might want to heal you. And maybe taking a step of faith and, and maybe risking a little bit to look a little foolish in order for this person to have an interaction with the living, powerful God that we believe loves them. Or, hey, I know you've been so stressed and really anxious recently, and you've been just talking to me about all these issues you've been having with your family, but can I pray for you? I believe God can bring peace and hope into this situation. Can, I, can we just pray for a minute? And, and I, I, listen, I, I, I have asked a lot of people if I can pray for them, and I've had some people say, no, thank you. And I walk with my tail between my legs and walk away. But like most of the time, people are like, yeah, I'd love that. Sure, thanks. And I have seen over and over again, the majority of the miraculous signs, the healings that I've seen in my life, most of the miracles I've seen have not happened in the church building. They've happened out on the streets. They've happened in coffee shops. They've happened on front porches or, or in, in, in bars or, or, or not in here. And I think you do see these things happen here, but I think there's biblical precedent in why that happens. If you look at the book of Acts, you will constantly see the preaching of the gospel and miracles go hand in hand. Almost every miracle that you read about in the New Testament is tied to the preaching of the gospel. Almost everyone. Some are. God wants to meet with people. And we can, we can 
create spaces for that to happen. John Wimber used to call them power encounters or power evangelism. God wants to heal people. God wants to see people set free. God wants to see anxiety, depression, all of the addictions like, be torn off of people. And he's calling us to partner with him in that. And not just, not just with supernatural things. I mean, I think they're all supernatural, but not with just these, these healings or something like that, but it, it can be in conversations. It can be beginning to ask people questions to get them seeking Jesus. Because I believe that Jesus is the truth. And I believe at the, at the very core of what is true in our world, it, you'll find Jesus there. And so if you get people to start asking questions like, you know, why do you think we're here? What do you think the meaning of life is? What, what do you think, you know, happens on the other side of eternity? If you get people wrestling with these, those questions and, and creating space for them to think about those things, I believe Jesus meets people there. I really do. But I, I remember this, this I, have a, I have a good friend who was agnostic, and uh, we used to have these, like, really hardcore debates. And if you know me very well, you know I love to kind of debate things. And I love to do it with friends, like with, in a safe place where people don't feel judged by me, because I can get very p passionate and opinionated about things. Uh, so but my friend was very much like me. We used to like debate about the big issues in life, about God and the Bible. And he would say, you know, if God is this, then why does this happen? And if the Bible says this, then what about this? And we just, we just talk. And, and one day we were, ha we were sitting on his front porch and we were having one of those conversations. And I felt so clearly the Lord say, hey, just introduce him to me. And so he asked some big question, and I said, you know, man, I could attempt to answer that question. And it might be a good answer, it might be a lousy answer, I don't know. But I could introduce you to Jesus. And he said, okay. And later on, he'll, he, he would tell you, I don't know why I said okay. <laughs> but I know why. It's because of the Holy Spirit. And so we just stopped, and I said, hey, God, would you come? And would you just come be with us? Would you just come reveal yourself? And, and my friend <clears throat> had this super powerful experience with the living God and felt the love of God. That I could have attempted to answer every question, but God was saying, hey, stop it. Just introduce him to me. It was creating this God space, creating this place for people, for, for this person or, or people in general to meet with God. It's having these conversations. And, and, and let me say, you know what, what one God space is? It's here. <laughs> I think this church is a God space. I think when we come together and worship and, and we, we, we read the word and we pray for one another, we don't just do it out of ritual. We believe that God is with us, right? We believe God is here. And so I want to encourage you guys, we can invite people to church. And I would love for our church to be an inviting church, 
That if you want someone you know to, to encounter God, an easy way might be just saying, hey, you know what? Would you be willing to come to church with me sometime? And, and just so you know, as you leave, we have invites right by the doors. We have these things called six packs. And when you leave, grab one. Grab, and I bet you've never heard a a pastor tell you to grab a six pack. (laughs) Or maybe you have. Uh, But grab a six pack of invites and just invite people. Because we want to tell your friends about Jesus. And we want to create environments where, where, where Jesus meets with the people we love. And not because we think our church has structure that they need. And not because we believe we've got a lot of cool things to offer you, but we believe that Jesus sits at the head of the church and that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so, guys, we would love for for people to come here who don't know Jesus or maybe have been estranged from Jesus and we can help reconnect. So let's be inviters. So you can grab six packs on your way out. But finally, let me just end with this last point. And the last one is witnesses and not lawyers. Witnesses and not lawyers. Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, I don't think God needs us to be his lawyer. I don't think he needs us to defend everything. I mean, I think there's a time to stand up and defend your faith, but I think you know what he's calling us most of the time to be is just a witness. And what is a witness? A witness is someone who reports what they saw or experienced. A witness is like, look, this is what I saw that person doing, or this is what I heard this person say. And as witnesses, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be like, This is what I've experienced from God. This is how God has changed me. This is how God has set me free. Like I used to, I used to struggle with anger and I used to get angry about all these things. And then, and then I met Jesus and he began to change my heart and, and now I don't. Or, or look, I used to, I used to struggle or I was addicted to this. I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to, to opiates. I was addicted to whatever. And God came and he set me free. Or I used to deal with shame or humiliation or, and fear. And then I met God and he gave me courage. And we tell the stories because your story is, your great, is one of the greatest tools we have. Your story, people need to hear it because your story will set people free. It really will. What has God done in your life? How has he changed you? What has he freed you from? We share from our experience. D.T. Niles says, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's like, look, I was hungry, but I found bread. And I can show you where I found it. I I was lost, but then I was found, and I can show you where that happened. I was, I was full of sin and, and anger and rage and, and depression and then Jesus saved me. What is your story? I don't know. I look at you guys and I know many of your stories. 
Some of them I don't know, but I know you have a story to share. Be, be God's witness. Be God's witness. I know where to find peace. I know where to find hope. And we don't do it from a posture of, of you know, I'm better than you. We do it like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I know where it is. I know where it is. I found it. I, I was searching for it, and I finally found it. But here's my hunch. Why, why don't we stand? I want to end with this. I mean, I think there's all kinds of reasons for us not to share our faith, not to love our community. There's all, all kinds of reasons why we don't. Fear, you know, rejection, all these things that, that can stop us. But you know what my hunch is and what the biggest thing is? And this is true for me. The biggest reason is that I feel like we don't, we're not overflowing with the love of Jesus. Here's what I mean. You know, that first connect that we talked about a few weeks back, that connection to the God, it's where all this stuff, it flows out of that. It flows out of that. I've heard lots of talks about evangelism and loving communities that all kind of stem from this place of guilting people to do it. Like, you guys, we're supposed to do this, so let's do it. Let's go out there and tell more people about Jesus. But I have done, I've heard those messages, and I have done it, and I've seen zero fruit happen because of it. You know when I see fruit in tell, sharing my faith is when I am so filled up with the love of God that I can't help talk to people about it. It's like when you see a movie that you really loved, and you're just like waiting for opportunities to tell people about the movie. Or you go to a restaurant and it was amazing and the food was good and the wait staff was awesome and the ambiance was perfect. You're like wanting to tell people how great the restaurant was. Or like when, a, when you fall in love with someone, you just want to tell people how amazing your spouse is or how amazing your boyfriend is or your girlfriend. And I think God is calling us this morning to, to fall in love with him. And to be loved by him so that we won't be able to help but just tell people about it. So here's how I want to end. Sarah's going to lead us in a song. And I'm going to come to the front. And I just want to take a posture of receiving the love of God. And if you want to join me in that, I'd invite you to come forward. Just to receive the love of God. Because for some of us, it'll be the first time maybe that we've ever really, we might believe the right things about who God is, but we've never had a tangible experience with the love of God. And God, I think, wants to pour that out. And for some of us, it's been a while. Or for some of us, it was like during worship or whatever. But like, let's experience it now. So why don't you join me in the front as we sing one more song?
sense that some of us are, are experiencing something. Maybe, maybe tingles on your hand. Maybe you feel something in your heart. And I just want to say that is God. So Holy Spirit, would you fill up your people? Would you fill us up with your love? Fill us up to, to overflow. Now why don't we just stay in this place of, of worship, of, 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 of this God space where God is inviting us to meet with him. I want to encourage you, whether you're up front or in your seats, to pay attention to what God is doing, what God might be speaking. And, and why don't, if you're up front, why don't we just begin praying for one another? It might be a little messy of who prays for who, but if we could just have some, some guy, if you're a guy, pray for another guy. If you're a gal, pray for another gal. If you're up front, why don't you just lay a hand on someone? You guys can pray for one another, yeah. If you need to move around, you can. If you... And if you want to experience it, even if you're sitting, if you want to kind of experience some, some of the power of God, I invite you to come forward. I feel like God, I have this really high expectation that God is going to pour out his spirit, his presence on some people here this morning. So if you want to be a part of that, I just invite you to come forward. As Sarah leads us some more in the song. thank you for every promise you have spoken to us and been faithful to fulfill. Lord, and we pray that those promises, those, those things of faith that you have done in us, we would, 
we would just be full of your faith to share. Lord, would you help us have your heart for the world? Would you help us have your heart for the communities that we live in? Jesus, would we, uh, would we be a light to the world, shining with your love? Would our lives, would our words, would this church be a demonstration and proclamation that our God is good, that our God is strong, that our God is faithful, that our God is near? We love you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you next week. And if you are visiting, stop by the visitor welcome. Come, please say hi. And as you leave, grab a six pack. Bless you.